up on Google, or I should say if you would ask Google, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just getting my notes up just in case, I apologize. Um, if you would ask Google, how long does it take to break a bad habit? How long does it take to break a bad habit? The first answer you would see is that psychiatrists would say that it takes 21 days, 21 days of a consistent and conscious effort to create a habit. That's to create a habit. They say it's even sometimes even longer to break one. 21 days of conscious effort. Conscious effort. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 this morning, starting in verse 31. Again, that's Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Paul wrote us, or I should say he wrote to the church of Rome, this letter to believers, even us today. Paul was known as Saul. Saul's life was radically changed when he met one person. That person was Jesus. You see, before he met Jesus, actually Saul persecuted the church. He was actually the first one that signed on the martyring of Stephen, that the first martyr for Jesus Christ, claiming him as the Messiah, they stoned him, that actually Saul was there and kind of signed his name on with that. Saul persecuted the church. But when he met Jesus, everything changed. His mindset changed. And as we know, even just a conscious every day for 21 days, a habit, just even break that is, is a conscious change. So if anyone knows, to change one's mind is very difficult. But it says by meeting Jesus, it changed everything. It even changed so much his mindset that he actually changed his name from Saul to Paul and is now known as an apostle of Christ. So we're going to be reading his letter today to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be starting in verse 31. And he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? What are these things that he's talking about? Well, if you are ever going to study God's word, you always want to study God's word in context. And what that means is, the best way I can think about it is that sometimes whenever we think about things like uh, we always say in hindsight 2020, right? We're like looking back 2020. And I use that. Someone shared that to me one day and it's kind of stuck with me. But context in scripture is kind of the hindsight of it. You want to look at the 20 verses before your reading and also the 20 verses after. Now, in this passage, technically this is verse 31, so it has 30 verses ahead. So if you want to read the whole chapter, but Romans chapter 8 Paul is writing to believers that are struggling with how they are living according to the flesh. The first part of it, he's touching about how we struggle living according to the flesh. And then after even uh, according to the flesh, and, and let's, just, let's just kind of for context, let's jump to verse, uh, if you have your Bibles, it's chapter 8. We're going to be reading, um, sorry, in verse 6, and it says... The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. 
Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So he's talking to a church right now that is struggling, that believers are struggling even with their own selfish desires. Now understand there is temptations in this world. And we need to be aware of that, that there's going to be things that tempt you not to follow God. But there is also our own selfish, carnal desires. That is desires of oneself, that we put ourselves before God or, or, or things that God does not have us want to live in a holy life. And so God is saying, is right here, he's making it very clear that many people are struggling, not just, uh, just even with selfish temptations and of themselves. The next section, he actually is talking about this present suffering. In verse 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. See, what he's talking about there, the present suffering, is that just as he, Saul, persecuted the church, the church in Rome is being persecuted at this time. That right now, that, that if they are found out and they are a believer, probably the best thing that could be happened to them is they'd be exiled. Because if not, they're going to be put in prison, which is not as nice as our prisons today. And more, more likely, they'd also be put to death. So you understand that right now, that the church of Rome is struggling, not just with their own inner selfish carnal nature, but they're also struggling with present suffering, with with being persecuted. And so he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? I think I need to say that again. If God is for us, then who can be against us? You see, right here, he's jumping in with the why. He's setting up an argument for us to change our mindset, to know who God is, but he's setting up with the why. If God is for us, then who can be against us? You see, we've actually been going through a study with the the teens this uh, this month, which is on um, finding our purpose through God. And uh, one of the biggest things uh, we've been learning this last week was finding out the why. You see, we go through our day-to-days with the hows. And what I mean by that is we go, how are we going to get through this? Or how are we going to provide for that? How, how are we going to make it through? A lot of times when we see situations, we ask how. But if we know the why, it's a lot easier to answer the hows. For example, right now, if I asked Richard, Richard is a gray guy, and I could sit here and say, Richard, would you make some sandbags for me? And Richard, just because I asked him, great guy, nice caring and compassionate, he'd go home and let's say he found some sand around his house and he, he, uh, he had a couple bags and so he just fills up and he brings me three big bags, sandbags, because I asked him. Let's say Owen. I go to some of the students and I say, Owen, what if I paid you $10 an hour? Would you make sandbags for me? And I know... Owen's strong, and he's like, man, I I would love to have a job, love to make some money. Sure, I'll I'll make some sandbags. And you know what? All of a sudden, he's out there all week. He's out there, you know, packing the sand into these bags, lifting up, and man, but he just gets exhausted, and he gets tired. And after the first week, he realized, man, his his back hurts, his arms, and even though he's young, he, he also knows that another job offering the same amount of money would be a lot easier. 
And he says, James, thank you for the money. Thank you for the job. But this place, I'm going to start working there. And let's say he made me 20 bags that week, big sandbags. But what if I went to Richard and Owen and I said, in three days, there's going to be torrential rainfall. In three days, they're actually thinking that over in Fultondale, off that huge hill behind the park, that it's going to actually flood some neighborhoods. We need sandbags. How many sandbags do you think Richard would make or Owen would make? The answer is more. If we know the why, then we can handle the house. And so right here, the beginning, even though he's sharing, I know you're struggling with this. I know there's the carnal nature, the, the living according to the flesh. I know, I know that there's present suffering in our world. It's a broken world. There's sin in our world. But can I tell you, if our God is for us, then who can be against us? Our God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, that created you, that is greater than all things, has all power. If he is for us, then who can be against us? Verse 32, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He that did not spare his own son. Those that know, I have a four-year-old son named Garen, who I dearly love, and he loves cookies more than me. He loves ice cream too, probably ice cream more than cookies now, but he loves cookies. He even came up to me and found a box of cookies on the counter and came up to me and goes, Dad, what are these? Like, like he doesn't know little manipulator already at the age of four. Dad, what are these? But you know what? When I get him out some cookies, and I even get him some milk for his cookies, right? You can't have cookies without milk. I spare some of those cookies for me, all right? Like, I love him, but some of those cookies are for me. I spare some of those. But it says here, he who did not spare his own son. Who's he? God. But gave him up for all. Do you understand that our God didn't spare Jesus? He gave him to us. It's almost as if he opened the bag of cookies and poured all of them on a plate and said, here, have all the cookies. And that glass of milk is not enough. Here, here's all of the milk for all those cookies. God loves you so much that he gave his son. You see, I, I think I can have a deeper appreciation for this now. Being a father myself, having my son, I, I, I told you I love him. But right now, as much as I want a truck, if someone said, James, I'll trade you a truck for your son, I'd say no. If someone said right now, James, what if I gave you the world? You could be over everything. I'd give you everything for your son. Not worth it. No. Do you understand that God looks at you and me and he gave his son? Do you understand how much you are loved and valued in the eyes of God? That's how much he loves you and me. He says, how, going on, he says, how Will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 
I think we can understand if he's willing to give his own son, and we got to understand that when he says give here, let's be honest, that's sacrifice. He sacrificed for us. Mothers, you know a little bit about sacrifice for your kids. Pouring into others. Verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. If God is a holy God and just, if he knows you so well, he created you, he knows how many hairs are on your head, he knows everything in the aspect of your life, and if he is judge and Lord of all, who could bring a charge against us if he is judge? Paul is saying that our God is for us, then who can be against us? He goes on, verse 34, who then is one who condemns? No one. I love this verse. Some of you might know this familiar verse. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, which we just shared, that he loves us so much. He loves the world, not just one of us, not just a few of us, everyone. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. He loves you so much because, as I've shared before, we live in a broken world. It's a fallen world. And you know what? I've sinned. It says in Scripture we've all sinned. And it actually says in Scripture the wages of sin is death. And that is why he gave his son. He loves you and me so much he wants a way for us to be free of sin. And the only way to do that is there's a cost. There's a cost to sin. The wages of sin is death. And God made a way in the Old Testament for us to sacrifice that the only cost that can actually pay for sin is blood, is life. And so we would sacrifice calves or lambs, like blameless. Like we, it is the, that there, we would try to find the best one we could find that was imperfect, that was, uh, that was perfect, that didn't have any imperfections. And we would sacrifice that as, as to pay for our sin offering. But God wanted to make a way for all of us to no longer have to sacrifice. He actually gave his son. Jesus died for you and me. Today, you can have a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You can be free of sin. And he says here that if you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. We need to understand that there's sin in this world, that we've all sinned, and that even I, I am ashamed. I, I don't even believe I deserve the opportunity to stand on stage to teach but the only thing I can show is that how God saved me, that I repented of my sins and asked God to forgive me. And I'll tell you what, and it says in scripture that if you ask forgiveness, he will forgive. And he saved me. And it says here that if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. See, God, it's not just in that moment that sins are gone. God now wants you to live a holy life. Just like Saul is now Paul, his life changed. Here, this is not the same old James. The James you see today, any good in me is because of God. And can I stress that as much as this is a famous verse, I love the verse after it. John 3, 17 says, For Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it through him. See, right here it says, who can condemn us? It says, no one. Jesus did not come to point fingers at you and me. Jesus sees the brokenness and how through sin we are separated from God, because he's a holy God. 
And he desires to be back in that right relationship. And so he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save it. So here we see that if God is for us, then who can be against us? Because he didn't even come to condemn us. He didn't send his son. He came to save us. It says, no one, Christ Jesus, who died more than that. I love this. You guys catch that? It says, who died, and more than that, who was raised to life and sitting at the right hand of God um, and also interceding for us. I love this. He actually, he says that Jesus died, and that's, I mean, right there and there, that is, we are now can live free of sin because of what Jesus did. He didn't just bear one sin. He bore all sins. He bore all pain. It actually says that even that when he bore all pain and died for our sins, he even took the sting of death. And so Jesus here bore all of that and he died. But it's more than that. He didn't stay dead. He is alive. He rose from the dead. And guess what? He is alive sitting at the right hand of God. And guess what? Interceding for you and me. Interceding means to intervene on someone's behalf. Right now, he is standing next to God and he is entering, he is interceding for us on our behalf. He is alive. God wants more for us. Not just the death of sin. God wants us to have eternal life through him. And you see right now, the church, their mindset is all they're doing is thinking of the negative. You see, right now, all they see is the struggles that they're going through or the temptations. And he says, yes, that's according to the flesh. But you know what he says in verse 9 here in chapter 8? He said, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, he says, You, however, are not realm of the flesh, but the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit in him, um, of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives within you. You see, he's trying to help us understand. And like I said, it's not easy to change our habits, to change our mindset. But Paul is setting up an argument for you and me to know that we, even though there is suffering, and I, like I said, it's so easy to focus on the negatives. I can easily, after this sermon, uh, I could hear a thousand good things, but one person say, James, you said, um, 10 times. What do you think I'm going to focus on? The negative. It's easy for us to be captivated, to, to look at what we don't have, to be envy of what other people are doing. But Paul right here is saying that if God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus even now is interceding for you and me. Verse 35. So he asks us a question again to bring up the subject matter. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? See, right here, he again, he says, what can separate us from the love of God? Can troubles, could losing your job, losing all that you have, losing a loved one, if you're persecuted, if someone threatens you, can we lose God? lose the love of God. You see, he even reminds them this next verse, verse 36 is from Psalm 44. And he says, as it is written, 
For your sake, we face death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. If you ever read Psalms 44, the very beginning, it just, it is, Psalm is a song that they sang to remind them of God's greatness and faithfulness, that he protected his people, that he delivered them uh, from Egypt, that he parted the Red Sea, um, defeated the Egyptians, how he provided over so many battles, how he protected them. And here he reminds them, because in this Psalm, when they wrote this, again, God's people were struggling. And he says, God, even though we don't see you and we don't feel you right now, God, we know that you're faithful. We feel like lambs to the slaughter right now. But God, we know that you're there. God, that if we know that if you are for us, then who can be against us? He reminds them of the song that they sang. Verse 37, he answers his own question. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No, we are more than conquerors. I love how he uses more again. What does it mean to be a conqueror? Usually uh, defined if someone came and they had victory and became over. Like if you, there was a victory over a city and you came over, then now you are a conqueror over it. But you see in this tense, when he says more than conquerors, he's actually saying in present tense, we are conquerors. And you might not feel that right now. You might go, James, you, you know what COVID did? You know how exhausted I am? You know all that is going on? I don't feel like we're conquering anything. I feel like we're losing. But I'll tell you what, that if our minds are on the kingdom of heaven and of the spirit, we know that when Jesus died, that was the victory over sin. That right now, we already have the victory. We can have life through Christ. He's saying you are more than conquerors, not just that you had the victory, we're gonna continue to have victories in the kingdom. God is saying, I want more. There's more cookies, more milk. God wants more for you, for him. He says here, he says, verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor debt, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, he goes beyond than just this world. Do you understand that we see the world's problems? It's easy to feel, it's easy to see it. But he says that when our God is for us, who can be against us? That no, no demon, no angel, no, no nothing, no power on this earth, no height, no depth, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That you are loved. Now, I do want to take a moment right here, as I said earlier, that we want to study God's word in context. Because if you take God's word out of context, if you don't understand that as, as the um, author is sharing, it is easy to take some scripture literally, what it's not meant for, or take out the scripture, that verse, and use it for what we want it to use. And you need to understand that this passage has sometimes caused misunderstandings. And so I want you to understand today that there, there has been a saying that once saved, always saved. That there is a belief, and this passage comes from this, where, I mean, that saying comes from this, that because nothing can separate us from God, which is true. 
I want to be very clear about that. Romans chapter 8 talks about how no power can separate us from the love of God. But you must understand, once saved, always saved, believes that once you're saved, then that doesn't matter. From here on out, you're always saved. And you need to understand something very clear here, that when we accept Christ as our personal Savior and we are saved, that that now we have a new mindset, a new life for God, that doesn't mean that we are free to sin. It means we're free from sin, that you now can live a holy life. But I can tell you, just as you can choose to follow God, that if you choose to accept God's word and become a disciple and to follow after him, you can also choose not to follow You have free will. That's how much God loves you. He gives you a choice to accept his word or not. So I want you to understand that we, because of free will, have the power to separate ourselves from God. Because if you choose to sin, guess what? We have a holy God. He loves us, sent his son to die for you and me. But if we choose to sin, which separates us from God, there is a hell. And I don't say that to scare this morning. I want you to know the truth and be very clear to you that even Jesus talks about it in his parables. And I know Hollywood has dressed it up in many different things, what hell is like. And so we see in movies, we hear stories, this is hell. But when Jesus talks about hell in his parables, he talks about it as darkness. Even in one of his parables, when it's at a banquet, and he says that if you are not a part of the kingdom of God, he says you are cast out and you are in darkness. That means alone. It says that, they, that it says that it is such a suffering that is of weeping and gnashing of the teeth. It is so bad that you are gnashing your teeth together. Do you understand that hell means to be separate from God? That being alone is right now that with God's grace and mercy, that even when a sinful world, God loves us, that he is still for us. But understand that we believe, as we said, the wages of sin is death, that that separates us from God. That if we have sin in our life, then we cannot be a part of God's kingdom. And so I want to be very clear with you that nothing can separate us from the love of God, but I believe that you and I can choose not to have that relationship with him, choose not to follow him. And so today, this morning, I'm going to ask John to come up to, uh, to close us in a worship song. And it's actually uh, the song that we sang earlier, More Than Conquerors. But Pastor John has been starting something the last couple months as we close our service. And I want to be very clear this morning. Um, if anyone here, if anyone here has felt the presence of God, or should I say more, not just felt the presence of God, felt his love this morning. I want you to know that we have an altar up here, which it's not that there's anything special of the wood, but the altar signifies a place that we come to offering, a place that we come before God. And so I want you to know this altar's over here to the right, that, it, that if anyone here would like to have that personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to come forward. I, I want you to know that I'll be down here, that if you'd like to talk about it, that I want to help you to know that God came for you and me to be saved. I want you to know that we do live in present suffering, that there is struggles in this world, that it's a fallen, broken world. But we also believe that our God is greater, that there is miracles today, that he hears our prayers. And I want you to know this, this altar right here, if anyone here is, needs some healing, whether physically, emotionally, 
maybe with relationships, or maybe someone's not here today, but you want to pray for healing in their lives. If you want to come forward, that I'm going to ask if, if Ken or Randy, if, if one of you guys or both of you come down, that would, would be willing to pray over you and anoint you to, to let you know that, that God hears our prayers and that we believe that he can still heal even in the suffering, the present suffering today. But just remember that our focus, and this is why it's hard, it's hard to change our mindset sometimes, but God is talking about us to, to live according to the spirit, to not set our eyes on the things of this world, which are easy to see and easy to feel, but to focus on the spirit, the things of God and his kingdom, and to know that he is greater. And if our God is with us, then who is for us? <laughs> then who's against us? And I, I want to also... But you know, these altars over here, maybe today is not the decision making of whether you believe in God or not. Maybe today though, is wanting to make a covenant and a commitment to God. Maybe today it's hearing that, you know what? God wants me to live a holy life, to live according to the spirit. I wanna give you an opportunity to come before God and to, to offer yourself, to, to focus on the things of God and the things of this world. Maybe today you are here and have know the joy of God and like me want to celebrate what he is doing, what he has done, what he's going to continue to do. We're going to sing a song more than conquerors. And today we're going to celebrate how we have the victory over sin because of his son, Jesus. We're already victorious. But you know what? He says more than conquerors. That means he wants us to continue to have victories for the kingdom of God. And so today I hope that you stand with us and sing more than conquerors.